Just before we get started, the Second Act Podcast would like to acknowledge that we are recording this podcast on Treaty 7 land inhabited by the Blackfoot Nations. This includes the Siksika, Pikani, and Kainai. We would also like to acknowledge the Sutsina and Stony Nakoda First Nations, as well as the Métis Nations and all people who make their home on Treaty 7 land in southern Alberta. But now that we've paid respects to people that were here before us, let's start the pod. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Second Act Podcast. Today's episode was a very interesting one. Well, I'll tell you, interesting or not, uh, we are so stoked that Natasha Staniszewski um, agreed to come on the podcast and, and couldn't have been more gracious. I mean, what a what a great story, right, from, uh, you know, going to, to college for business and, and not wanting to do it and figuring out that she had to go back and do something different to the rocket ride that was her time at TSN. And, and then coming back and, and being able to do things on her own terms back in Alberta. I mean, what a, what a great story. And, uh, and she was so, so interesting, so in, engaged. Uh, just a lot of fun for an interview. Well, and Natasha's second act isn't really a job that she didn't like as much as an entire career choice she made. She went to school as a business major, but when that didn't work out, she kind of she kind of went back to school and became a TV journalist. Yeah, it's just a, it's a cool story. Um, somebody with a little bit of a profile who everyone knows maybe you don't know all that uh all that detail around what goes into that you know seemingly greatest job ever at tsn but uh just a lot of fun to sit down and chat with natasha super genuine person um if you see her in real life i mean that's what she is i I mentioned it after we got off camera that it was so weird to uh have a person who i'm used to watching on tv I'm seeing her on the screen in the same medium, but she's actually answering me back. It was just, it was really cool. Lots of fun. Uh, These are the kind of interviews that we just absolutely love doing. So without any further ado, I'm going to leave the whole uh, original introduction in and, uh, and you'll see why. Welcome to the Second Act Podcast. Today we have a guest whose name we all may know, even if we can't spell. Please welcome Natasha Staniszewski. That's a great introduction, Gord. I've never had someone put it like that. I love it. Uh, thank you for the welcome. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> it's it's interesting to um, to have somebody with your profile on, and I I realized when I was doing all this work, I didn't know how to spell it, and and I was always having to have it up on my screen to make sure I got it right when I was doing the prep work. And I thought to myself, um, she's at this point in her career, and she's had. Uh, steadfast commitments to using her real full name, which is a mouthful. It's a pile of syllables. Um, did you ever have anybody ask you about that early on in your career? I actually did when I moved to uh, back to Edmonton to work for CTV in the sports department. There, I it, the subject sort of came up with my boss, my news director at the time, and we thought, oh, do I change my name? Like it's so long. I don't know. And, and he was strongly against changing it, as as I was kind of too, I was like, why, you know, why would I do that? And um, I'm glad I kept it. I think, I don't know, like I always use the example of George Strombolopoulos. I don't think anyone ever told George to change his name. Was it, is it because he's a man? I don't know, but I'm happy I stuck with my name and it kind of makes me stand out. I'm, I'm the girl with the long last name. So there you go. Well, and it's funny because the first time I ever saw you on TSN, I was working in Edson, Alberta, so just just down the road from Edmonton, and um, we were sitting in the Boston Pizza after work having a beer, and over my shoulder, this guy I worked with was like, 
what's she doing on TSN? I went to U of A with her in, in for business. And, and then your name came up and he was like, hundred percent, that's the same lady. Like there's no mistaking. Right. That's funny. Yeah. It's that's, that's where I started my, my post high school education. Uh, I, I wanted to be a sports reporter. Like I had thought about it in high school. I, you know, I talked to my friends about it, but it never seemed, I don't, it didn't seem like a smart, practical thing to try to do. I didn't see that women, that many women on TV already doing it. The thought of going to Nate and getting a TV diploma, just, you know, to be on TV seemed crazy. So I decided to go to the U of A, get a business degree again, just because I thought it was practical. I didn't really know what else to do. I thought it'd be a good thing kind of to have. So I, I got my uh, commerce degree and then worked for a few years, decided I was miserable and went back to school when I was 26. So yes, whoever you are with, uh, I can imagine that would have been a little strange, I guess. Yeah, his his jaw was like, what? That's crazy. So so it's an interesting kind of path to um, <clears throat> to being on TV. But like you say, it wasn't original. What what about um, what about the business degree? Or was it just the practicality of it and the ability to be able to do so many different things? Or what about that kind of drew you in that direction before you embarked on this journey? I mean, the business... I would never use the word dream. Like I honestly like describe it. I, my uncle was in HR and that was literally the only reason I, I was just like, Oh, well, you know, my uncle has a job in HR and he kind of likes it. And I mean, there was marketing and, and other stuff that I thought, Oh, maybe I'd be good at marketing. You know, maybe HR would be okay because it's working with people and I like working with people, but I was, I never felt any sort of passion at all for it. And, you know, once I was out in the workforce and um, actually working a Monday to Friday, nine to five job, I mean, it was fine for a while, but then it was not fine. <laughs> yeah. I was pretty miserable. Yeah, I was pretty miserable, uh, like I said. So uh, it, the decision to go back, I mean, it felt like a hard decision at the time, but looking back, it was like, I, I really didn't. I, there was no other option. Like there was no way I could, I could continue doing what I was doing. Well, and it's, it's funny how these decisions that we make when we're 18, 19, 20, um, you you can either be held hostage to them for the rest of your life, or you can enact some change and make them make a different outcome for yourself. And some people do it at 26 and some people wait till they're 46 and, and some people never do it. And that's kind of the fun part about trying to talk to as many people as I do about these second acts it's the impetus for the change or what what was it and and for a lot of people it was I just wasn't happy my cup wasn't getting full filled so I had to make make a change and do something different yeah and it I mean it sounds simple uh in theory but it takes a lot of courage a lot of the time to do it uh, I know for me I mean my job I you know I liked my coworkers. I was getting decent pay um sort of to quit that job and go back to school felt scary. I had just bought my first condo. So now I had a mortgage and I was now I, you know, I was gonna have student loans again or whatever fees. So um, yeah, it's not easy to make these decisions for sure. It's not, I guess, which is why sometimes people don't do them. But in the grand scheme of things, if you're not happy, I think, I think you have to try to change things up. Well, and, and if you hadn't made that decision, you would have never got to see some of the um, glorious locales that you did once you decided to become a sportscaster. Why don't you talk a little bit about what that looked like? 
Uh, I have a, I assume you're talking about, well, I don't know what you're talking about really specific. I mean, people have different ideas about different cities and towns, right? But the majority, well, go ahead. Like, so I'm, I'm from a little town in, uh, rural Saskatchewan straight east of Prince Albert. So like the Yorkton, Melville's, those yep. kind of areas, those are big metropolises for me. Um, I've grown out of it living in, in Alberta now for 20 years in Calgary for the last eight or nine. But uh, but you got to see those firsthand, some of those type places, right? I did. And I, I just laugh because I know people make fun of them sometimes. And I wasn't sure where you were going with that. But I, I loved my time in Saskatchewan. So I started out in Lloydminster uh, and quickly moved around. I was ended up in Regina for literally a month, uh, Yorkton for six months, Prince Albert for nine months, and then Saskatoon for about two and a half years. So all those small towns you mentioned, like Melville and all that, yes, I was there for a good chunk of time. And, and it was great. I loved it. I'm so glad that I chose the path that I did. Like, I'm glad that it worked out for me and that I, that I was able to go to those small towns. Like I got a chance to see them and see what they were like. And I actually just went back to Melville uh, this summer for uh, a fundraiser for the hockey team. And it was so great to be back. Like it was so, it was my first time back in Yorkton in years. And it was just, uh, it was awesome. I have made some great memories, learned a ton about the industry. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate that I, that that's the way the path sort of worked out for me. Well, and I actually just had a, an, I just am releasing next week an, an episode with a, an agriculture journalist from Saskatchewan named Kevin Hirsch. And he kind of, you know, he started doing TV work for agriculture in the eighties. And he talked about the heyday of big budgets and camera people out following him around. And then it went away to the point that if he wanted to shoot something, he needed a tripod. And, and with the way your career went to kind of the, the highs of TSN, like you had that grounded feeling of what it was like to, to be down at the rink and try to get some something talk to the Melville millionaires coach or whatever it was by yourself and in a small town. And that had to have been like, there had to have been many times where you, you know, even if not the, the experience, just the, the dogged determination that you had to develop to do that kind of work. Yes. Um, you're not when you're, I mean, at least when I was doing it and I think a lot of, I, I don't know if, it, honestly, I don't know if this is still how it, happens because so much has changed I feel since I was at that stage of my career but you're sort of you're you're responsible for everything you're a one-man show so yeah bringing dragging the tripod and the camera and the batteries around to these small rinks in the middle of nowhere what feels like the middle of nowhere in minus 40 degree weather shooting junior curling freezing your hands and feet off sitting in that little rink or like you say junior hockey it uh you really have to be loving it like I, I don't think if you don't like shooting highlights and being freezing and having to <laughs> all that equipment up the stairs up to like the weight to the top I mean it's not gonna it's not gonna work for you right and I call me crazy but mostly I enjoyed it mostly I enjoyed doing that stuff and and that's good because like you say you have to and and at this point you had enough life experience to know that this wasn't going to be forever probably. And, uh, and you were getting to do something that, you know, a good chunk of people think they would do for, you know, like, Oh, I'd love to be able to do that. Well, you know, sure. That's easy to say when you're a, a CPA making $120,000 a year in a city um, you're out there doing it because you wanted to, you made that conscious decision. 
Um, but you didn't have to do it like that forever. And we, we brushed on, on, um, your, your debut at TSN, but what, what was that kind of recruitment process? And, and, you know, like, were you like, who me, or did you know that, that there was a really good chance something like that may lay ahead for you when that, when that came along? It was mostly a who me sort of situation. When I started out, my only goal was to get back to Edmonton and and to cover the teams that I grew up watching, basically. The Oilers, Eskimos, the Bears, Pandas, all that kind of thing. That was my goal when I got into the business. I I never felt like I knew enough about all the other sports, NFL, baseball. I never felt like I knew enough to actually go to TSN, nor did I have any interest in moving to Toronto away from my family. But People kept saying I should, you know, you should try, you'd be good there. And I, I think what I ended up happening is I, I ended up sending out a few demo tapes to TSN and Sportsnet, mostly not because I was looking for a job, but mostly just looking for feedback on how to get better. And I guess kind of like, well, I guess I'll send them a tape and see what happens. But I wasn't really actively pursuing a position. So long story short, I did know the uh, VP at TSN. Um, he was the person I sent my my demo tape to. And then I saw him at the Grey Cup in Edmonton, met him there, chatted a few minutes, uh, just, you know, very brief chat. And then a few months later, he he phoned me or emailed me and said, Jennifer Hedger was going on that leave. Would I want to audition for her position? So I, again, it was like, well... I didn't want to say no, right? I, I don't know. When those opportunities come your way, it maybe you're not actually looking for them, but they feel they feel big and they feel like you should at least explore them a little bit, which is which is what I did. So I said yes, auditioned, and the rest is history. So in today's day and age, um, a regular Joe like me can poke around on the internet and get in touch with somebody like you who has a profile, who has these experiences. And, and there's somebody, there's a chance that there's a mentor out there for me if I'm making those changes. At that point in your career, was there um, a female sportscaster or even just a, somebody within media that you could, you could talk to and feel like, okay, this person understands my, my concerns, my reticence, and, and can explain the upsides, the downsides, and talk me through this? Or were, did you, were you relying on people outside of the industry to help you with these decisions? Well, when I, so Sportsnet had actually flown me down to Toronto before TS ended, maybe even a year earlier when I was still in Saskatoon. So that was quite early in my career. And they they specifically um, set me up with Martine Geyer to chat with her. She's from, I think it's Saskatoon. Or no, somewhere smaller than Saskatoon. But Melford Canistano, yeah. Is it Melford? Okay. Yeah. Um, so they specifically introduced us because I think they knew I was sort of in a similar situation a little bit as as Martine. Obviously, Edmonton's a little bit bigger than Melford. But so I chatted with her a little bit and, and I remember her, you know, telling me a little bit what it was like to move away and go to Toronto and how much she liked it. Um, but I didn't. No, there weren't a ton of people around that I could really ask about the whole thing. Um, I remember a quick conversation with my dad who just was like, like, why not? Like, why, like, why wouldn't you go and just try it? And, it, you know, it was supposed to be a one-year thing. Um, and that's basically kind of what it came down to was, was why, why wouldn't I? 
So yeah. that, that was kind of that was kind of it. There were no in-depth conversations with any with anybody really um, in the industry at that time. It was just it was just a decision that was like, you know, they always say that you you regret more the things that you don't do than the things that you do do. So I guess it came down to that. And I mean, at at this point, um, there's there's a number of women off the top of my head. I can name a handful that you know you see every day on both networks at that time i suppose if jennifer hedger was going on um maternity leave you're you're talking like holly horton was on tsn every day back then and i'm trying i'm struggling right now to think of the other names so so you were kind of going in there and and the person you could look to for some support and advice was going on this life-changing event of her own so so those first those first few days months weeks what was that like yeah, you're right. It was Holly Horton and Kate Burness was the only other one there who I had, I remember in Edmonton, I had seen her pop up. And I was like, oh, they have another woman, a woman, another one at TSN. And I kept seeing more and more. There were a bunch on the score at that time, too. Um, but you're right. When I got to TSN, it was just myself, Holly and Kate, um, who were great. But it's the whole thing was just was just very overwhelming and intimidating for me just because for the reasons I had mentioned earlier it was never I didn't think I was good enough I didn't think I wanted to go to Toronto it's like what am I doing here I think it's different when that's your goal and you're like I want to go to TSN and I can be so good at this and I know I can do this and I was the opposite it was like oh my god I don't think I can do this other people think I can so I guess I'm going to believe in them <laughs> but I didn't really believe in myself so it was very overwhelming at the beginning um but what do you do? I mean, you jump in, you try to learn, you, you know, Brian Mujerk was there who I knew a little bit from Alberta and he and I anchored quite a bit in the beginning. So um, he was great to have around, but you just, you just learn, you learn a lot of stuff from a lot of different anchors. Everyone's kind of different. Everyone has their own different pieces of advice. I remember Rod Smith trying to teach me about the shows and how to break it down and take it down, you know, piece by piece. Um, Dutchie was, you know, giving me words of wisdom, all that. like it, it was just little pieces from everybody, but just the whole experience of moving to like the big city like that and being on a national network. I don't know if anyone can really help you through that. You just survive it. <laughs> Maybe I sound so awful. I don't know what he listened to myself. It was just, it was hard. It was just hard not knowing anybody, having no family, no friends. It was hard. Yeah, but that's that right there. That's the beauty of this, Natasha, is that somebody else will hear this and go, oh, my gosh, I sound just like Natasha when she's talking about that period of time, however long ago. Right. So so you said it was a year contract at first, but obviously it, it morphed into much more than that. Um, and then actually you and Kate uh, started, you know, uh, I, don't, I think your build is like the first all female uh, anchored uh, evening sports desk or sports center at that point um you know you got some really unique opportunities by by sticking around and and this career or this role lasted much longer than the year um that couldn't have been by accident i mean you put some hard work in you made yourself kind of i don't want to say indispensable but you created the niche that you filled just perfectly so that when jennifer came back it wasn't just you know send natasha packing what went into all that work and and at some point did you decide or understand i'm good enough i can do this and i'm going to make a career out of this oh i don't know if it was a conscious decision like that necessarily i think 
I mean, I don't like to be bad at things. I don't like to be bad at anything. So when I'm there, you know, it's obviously I'm doing my best just to, to be better and improve and be the best that I can be, whether I was staying or going, I still wanted to do a good job. Um, when the year came up, I hadn't renegotiated anything with TSN and I had already started looking like I had quit my job in Edmonton, so I had nothing to go back to. <laughs> so I'd sort of putting, I had started put, putting feelers out about what I was going to do when I moved back to Edmonton, but I didn't have anything to go back to. And honestly, that first year went by really fast. And so when TSN, you know, offered to, you know, renew me for one year or two years or whatever, it's, it, it didn't seem like a big decision at that time. It was like, well, I'm already here. I'm, you know, I'm still learning. I'm still getting better at this. I'm, I'm starting to like it a little bit more. So I guess I'll stick around. But it was it, in my head. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to be here now for the next decade. Well, it was very literally like almost month to month, year to year that I was kind of living my life at that time. And and you lived it year to year, month to month, and then year to year for, like you said, the better part of a decade or, or over a decade. Um, and you you must have done like some things in that with that role that you either would have never dreamed that you were going to do or were in your wildest dreams, you know, attending events and meeting people. But like everybody yeah. understands at this point, all all those things, you know, eventually they come to an end. Did you have any kind of inkling that that this was something that you were going to want to wrap up and start moving on from? Or was it completely the business decision that um, that Bell and, and the, the conversation around it's been? So I had already started um, looking for a position back in Alberta. I, I, I always I never thought I would stay in Toronto forever. Like I never thought that I just the thought of being that far away from my family forever never sat well with me and I didn't know how to reconcile it, but I just always figured I would move back to Alberta at some point. So I had, I honestly had actually reached out to a few Calgary teams in Edmonton just to see if there was, you know, opportunities out there. I did so half-heartedly though, because I still loved my job at TSN. Like I, I was looking for something else, but I still loved it at TSN. I was, I was pretty conflicted. Like I didn't really know I didn't know how it was going to happen. I didn't know how I was going to say bye to TS. I didn't know how I was going to quit. Like I didn't, I didn't know where I was going to find the, what's the word, a good enough reason to move to, to quit and just leave and, and do something different. So, so Bell obviously <laughs> made the decision for me. So in a way I'm like, okay, well, they made the decision for me, but I mean, I still love that job. I, I, I didn't. Yeah, it was. I mean, if I didn't, I I would have already left, I guess. But I, I loved it that much. So in a weird way, I guess they helped me. <laughs> well, and it's it's interesting. Like we talked about just before we we started recording about um, your appearance on Dan's podcast. And I mean, he's his for people that haven't listened to his podcast. He has a very um, different point of view on on all of that. And you did a very good job, I thought, of kind of presenting yours and and you mentioned something that i would thought was an interesting uh statement where you, you said people you know you were saying it was your dream job and people were asking you if you have a, another dream job and and i'm wondering like is that a thing even or do you just this is you know you did it once when you were in a position you were not completely thrilled with and you changed it for natasha and it's this you had a little, maybe a little kick in the pants on uh, to make the decision, but I mean, it was still something that you 
you know, decided you were going to do and you were going to go find that second dream job. So when I moved to, to Calgary, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess the move back, the move to Alberta was more so to be close to my family. Um, like I said, that was kind of my intent, sort of where I thought I wanted to be, what I thought I wanted to do. So when I lost the job, I was like, okay, well, at the very least, move back to Alberta, be close to your family, you can figure everything out after that. The next job, I honestly didn't, I didn't really know. Um, I, I, I would have liked to have kept doing what I was doing. You know, I, I, there's not a lot of networks though in, in Canada, as you know. So sometimes that doesn't always work out for whatever reason. So, I mean, obviously now I'm working for the Flames and the San Peters. Um, and it's going really well. I'm, I'm enjoying it more than I thought I would. But yeah, I mean, the subject of actual dream jobs, um, I'm, I'm still confused. I'm not confused. I, I don't I don't know what to do with that phrase, I guess, the dream job. Because it, TSN did feel like a dream job. It was a dream job. Can you have more than one dream job? Dream job? Probably. I mean, the, the job I have now with the Sam Peters, it feels pretty yeah. dream to me a lot of the time, right? Like, yeah. I'm really enjoying it. I just, it's, it's, it's very different from TSN, though. And when you're with TSN and you go to anything else, it's, anything else no matter what it would have been i think it would would be an adjustment and maybe not feel like a dream job right at a tsn yeah well and i i think that's the critical part of it i i've worked in a big oil and gas company for almost 15 years and now i'm at a small company and you know i remember seeing people leave the big company and come back and they would say i like this about a and i like this about b and I was always like, well, yeah, but how can you just not like the security of the big company? Well, now that I'm on the other side of it, man, I realize there's so many things that I wasn't taking into account. So, you know, it's probably unfair to label one or the other a dream job because that means it's something about the other one has to be different and maybe less. And it doesn't have to be that, right? Right. Yeah, definitely. There are things like I, um, the job with the Stampeders is obviously a lot uh, lower profile, I guess. There's not as many eyeballs on me, but I'm fine with that. There's a lot less pressure with that too. I'm okay with that. Um, traveling with the team, I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm gonna like traveling with the team. Like, but I'm I'm loving traveling with the team actually. So there's all these little, you know, yeah. little things like you say. You, you just don't know what's gonna be good or not until you try it a lot of the time. Well, and and one of the things that I kind of noticed about your profile when you were when you're in Toronto with TSN and, and this is not a, not a comment on anybody else, just a comment on you is like when you, sh in the, in the commercial, when you show up at the neighbor's apartment with the French fries, like that, you genuinely came off as the person who's like, who's like that. And, you know, you're whipping up whenevers and Wednesdays and these different things. Like it was pretty obvious that you had these other kind of parts to you. And, you know, maybe you never get that opportunity to explore that with TSN where things are as scripted and, and prescribed as they are. And in this new role, I mean, maybe there's an opportunity to do something completely out of left, out of left field that, that is your new dream job. Who knows? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And I think the key is to keep an open mind, which I always say I like to do, but I don't know if I'm as good at doing it as I'm saying that I'm doing it, but keeping an open mind, um and just i yeah 
constantly trying things, I guess, because you never know where something will lead. Yeah. And, and not to ever question your journalistic integrity, um, but growing up in Edmonton as a fan, as a fan for those other teams that you you've spoken about already. And now you're, you're in Calgary and I'm an Oilers fan living in Calgary as well. So I understand how absolutely insufferable flames fans are. Um, I'm just kidding. Are they? No. What's what's that been like for you? Where you're like, you know, you're you're employed by by the teams, and you you know, you're you're sharing messages with that kind of flames and and stamp centric messaging. What's that been an adjustment? Because for a long time at TSN, I'm assuming they kind of you know you weren't rah 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 for your teams, right? Right. I love this question, um, and I I have kind of love this whole experience first of all working at tsn i'm sure you've noticed they're pretty toronto focused out there well, um, i hadn't noticed is that is that the case <laughs> so being from out west i really tried to promote all the western teams as much as i could whether it was edmonton calgary winnipeg vancouver because i got a little sick of how it was always about toronto all the time so i did become a fan sort of more of all the teams you know not just Edmonton but I tried to promote all of them I guess over Toronto than anything else so I mean did I ever think I'd work for a Calgary team no now that I'm working here I mean was I nervous about it yes but the organize like CSEC Flames and then the Stamps the organizations have been great to me they've been super welcoming everyone is very down to earth um both teams are very likable which makes it a lot easier um I don't know. And it's, it's, it's been fun. It's been way more fun than I thought it was going to be. Uh, it's still like, I mean, for the battle of Alberta, I did, I mean, I didn't really, I didn't think the two teams were going to meet in the battle of Alberta. Like that hasn't happened for however, what it was 30 years or whatever. Yeah. And there I am this <laughs> very first, I'm sitting up in the press box working for Calgary and Edmonton's there. Um, so yeah, it's strange, but I, it's, you know what? I don't know. It's fine. I love it. Who cares? Does it really matter? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It, it matters zero. That's the beautiful thing about it. And um, having been in Calgary for the last eight or nine years, I'll tell you uh, when the flames are good, Calgary is a better place. It's more fun. Yeah. People are wearing their jerseys downtown. They're talking at the water cooler and it's when they're, and they've been both since I've been around, it's just way better when they're good. Now, when they're good and the Oilers are good, then it becomes really interesting and fun. And, and I noticed that, that you said, you know, they're, they're both teams are fun to watch and, and stuff, but um, you know, it, they just traded Matthew Kachuk. So, so we can say that because we couldn't in good conscience say that because he was, he's a grease ball that nobody likes unless he's playing <laughs> for you. I uh, probably getting for the 17 people that listen to this. No, no offense to you. They're going to think I'm quite a jerk out of all this. Um, so you, you doing a few other things now that you're out and about and have this opportunity. You did some golf getaways and uh, on, you know, I was a little disappointed that you announced your, um, your bet rivers affiliation on Dan's podcast instead of saving it for the, for the second act podcast. But I, I guess I understand your previous relationship with Dan will allow for those kind of yes. bombshells. Um, what's, what's that like to have these little kind of extra irons in the fire and different things where, you know, for years, your main focus was kind of TSN and now you get to think about all these other things. 
Well, this is one of those things that I, when I said sort of, I try to keep an open mind about things. This is a good example of that um, because obviously this betting gambling thing is just crazy now in Canada. And I, you know, I did some work with come on last year and I've been approached basically bombarded by companies once I left TSN, just with the way the timing was with the gambling coming in. And I mean, I, I don't bet really once in a blue moon, I'll bet on a game or whatever, but I'm not into gambling at all. Um, so it's been strange for me. It's been a new space. I don't know how well I fit into it, but I guess we're going to find out. Um, <laughs> Dan raves about bet rivers. They have been outstanding so far. Um, so I'm excited to try it and, and see how it goes with them, but it's, uh, it's scary still, you know, I don't know if, if it matters really how old you are, what experience you have. It's scary to put, to put yourself out there and try different things and have different irons in the fire, especially when, especially when they're somewhat controversial, when obviously the gambling thing, a lot of people don't like that. Um, but I, I guess I'm doing it right. It is, it is fun to do stuff on the side, even with like the baking stuff. Actually, I will be doing a lot more whip it up whenever now with that rivers. Um, I kind of got away from that for a bit, but I'll be doing that more. So I don't know. I'm just kind of flying by the seat of my pants right now with some of these things and, uh, and hoping they work out. Well, and I think the, the baking part of it is genuine. And so even if the gambling isn't something that, you know, is a hundred percent, you know, Natasha, people will be able to see kind of, you know, who you really are and, and it doesn't have to come off as forced or you know, fake's not the right word, but, but you know what I mean? It's not a cash grab or anything. It's, this is something you're trying. Yep. They're just, they're trying to build their brand. They're looking for content. Obviously I have a bit of a profile, so I'll be doing some commercials for them with Dan. Um, but then just kind of, they said to me, if you want to do a baking show or golfing show, you know, traveling, we'll, we'll just sponsor it. We'll help you do it essentially is what it is. So well, I think, I think it'll be a good thing. That, uh, that's will kick the creative juices flow. And then you'll have yeah. an opportunity to really think about some, some different ways to, to represent that. Exactly. Yes. Uh, one of the, so I want to be super respectful of your time and, and I just have a couple more questions, but one thing that I kind of wanted to, to ask you about, and it's kind of near and dear to me. I have a 12 year old daughter who's like, you know, coming into that, what she wants to be like realistically. And when you, like we talked about when you started way at the beginning and then got to TSN, even the, the profile for women sports journalists and women anchors was very low. There wasn't a lot of them. Um, the ones that had been there had kind of been there for a while. There wasn't a lot of new faces. And now as you walked away from TSN, I would argue that it's been, if not a 180, it's it's somewhere in that neighborhood. There's there's new faces all the time. And these women are so talented. They bring such different uh, points of view. I think of Kayla Gray and like how she's just done all these other things other than just work at, at TSN or on sports center do you look back at that and say man that some of that was me and i was a part of of that being you know or or is it not quite sunk in that your role and how how you fit into all that i i don't really think about it that way but i probably should i'm i'm not very good at giving myself a pat on the back very often when it comes to stuff like that but i i I probably should because yes, obviously, like you mentioned, Kate and I were the first female duo on there to do it consistently. And 
I always say this to people at the time, it, it didn't feel like a big deal. It just felt normal. It felt natural. Kate and I had good chemistry. We got along. We knew what we were doing. People liked us. Why not put us together? So it, in the moment, you don't really think about it. But then it's when you meet people on the street, people come say hi to you with their kids or whatever and say, oh, we watch you every single morning. My kids watch you every morning. My daughters watch you every morning. We love you guys. We think it's so awesome. And that's at the point where it really kind of clicks or sinks in a little bit that this is a big deal and people are noticing it and people do appreciate it. And that's, um, that's awesome. Like I, I love hearing that. And even now still people come up and, and chat to me all the time. So I guess, uh, it is pretty cool that I was in that position. I'm yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I guess I'm pretty proud of myself that I was, that I kind of stuck with it. And I mean, you just, Timing is everything. I, you know, Kate and I were there together. We were put together and it, and it just worked out. Um, and I'm just fortunate that I was, that I was in that position at that time. Well, and I, I, like, I followed you along on the social media and stuff kind of through the, the bulk of that. And you've, you never really left the Western Canadian part of your life out of it. You were constantly back in Alberta. You were vocal about coming back to do these things. And while somebody like, you know, Mudrick or even Dutchie is, is, you know, for as much as you can't take the porcupine plane out of the boy, Dutchie's from, from, he's an Eastern guy now. And you never felt like that. You always felt like you were a Western person working in, in Eastern Canada. And like you say, with the things like the maple leaf ad nauseum, it felt always kind of like, maybe if I tune into Kate and Natasha, I might get like a little bit of a breath of fresh air because Natasha's going to have our backs, right? Well, that makes me happy. I'm I'm glad to hear you say that. I I I tried a little bit. Maybe I should have tried even more. But but you're right. I I I yes. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. <laughs> so the last question I like to leave every podcast uh, with is I, I like to ask the guest, based off of all the experiences that you've had to get you to this point. What it what is success to you, and and does it look anything like you thought it might when you started on this path? Oh, success to me. I mean, I think it. I think it needs to be is is figuring out. I mean, these are hard things to figure out, but figuring out what makes you happy and then going after it, I think, is success. And it doesn't have to be TSN, right? It doesn't have to be on that huge grand scale i don't think i think figuring out who you are and getting good at what you are is a big thing um which which takes a while to do but i think success is is turning you know turning out the noise turning off the noise all around you um from people about you should do this or do that or why don't you do this or try that and just just doing what you want, which, right, which a lot of people don't do what they want, or they can't do what they want for whatever reason, like, it, it's hard to always to chase after what your specific dream is. But um, I guess the success is if you can figure a way to chase your dream, whatever that dream is, then then I think you're probably pretty successful. That was a super fun podcast for me. Um, I I said in there that I, I caught Natasha right at the beginning of her time at TSN. And, um, you know, I had a young family through through the last 10 years where we were up at all hours of the night. And oftentimes it was 
her and Kate or her and somebody, um, you know, on the loop through the night that I would watch and, and, uh, you know, feel like you know her a little bit and then you actually get to sit down and talk to her. And it's incredible, um, to see that she's, you know, got this opportunity in her career to go and do something different. And she's really trying to figure out how to make the most of it and do the thing that's going to fill her cup and make her happy. She talks about it with, you know, the, the baking and the different things that she's got on the go. And she talks about how, even though she was looking for something other than TSN, you know, it was, um, it, it maybe wasn't finished on, on her terms, but she's figuring out a way to, to make it her terms. And I think that's the, the piece that is so cool about her story is that she's not letting any of this define her. She's out doing her own thing. She's having a lot of fun working in Calgary with the flames and the stampeders. And, and she's ultimately doing the things that, that, you know, make her whole. And, um, I couldn't have been more gracious and honest and, and we just couldn't say enough great things about Natasha. She was like easily one of the top two uh, most accommodating people um, that I've lined up to do this. And, and that's saying a mouthful because she's probably one of the most famous, I guess that that just tells you what kind of a person she is and, and how great she was to work with. So a super fun pod, uh, really excited to talk to Natasha, excited to put it out for everybody to listen to and, and maybe get to know something about her that you didn't already or get to know her a little bit better. Great pod. We've had a lot of great ones uh, since we've been back in August and, and we have more coming, you know, there's uh, there's a lot of exciting ones coming down the pike and we're just, uh, you know, hoping to keep slogging this through and get to, get to whatever number, the hundred or 110 or whatever number it ends up being that we decide we want to get to before we do something different. But we're, we just love talking to these, you know, life less ordinary type people, um, people that are doing something that, is just interesting and fun. As we always say, there are no wrong answers and no test at the end, so make the most out of every day. The Second Act Podcast would like to thank Ben Sound for the intro and outro music. Happy Rock. That is www.bensound.com. We'd also like to thank Chin Whiskers for the promotional consideration. You can find them at your local Tommy Guns, Original Barbershop, Amazon, or chinwhiskers.ca. And we would also like to thank you for listening. Test the microphone. No mmm noise.